Welcome to Happy Times and Places. I think you'll find it's Christmas Day. Well, it is when this one's released. As usual, I, Toby Haydoke, have to see if I can pick the best things about a Doctor Who episode chosen by a friend of mine. It's Christmas! Hello there. My name's David Steele, and I've been a Doctor Who fan ever since the Doctor fell off the big satellite dish and turned into Tristan Farman, off of all creatures great and small. I'm filling my days at the moment by working on a Doctor Who podcast called The Power of Three, which is to do with my friends Kenny Smith and Tom Harris. And I'm also putting a lot of time into the Earth 2 podcast, which is a DC Comics podcast that I'm doing with my friend Peter Watson. So check those out if you can. Um, Toby has asked me to choose a Doctor Who story for his new podcast for him to watch, where he's going to try and guess five things about it that I like the most. So the story I've chosen is The Next Doctor, which, as I'm sure you know, was the 2008 Doctor Who Christmas special. Well, happy Christmas, everybody. Welcome to this festive bonus edition of Happy Times and Places, uh, in which I will be watching a Doctor Who Christmas special, and you will be joining me if uh, you listen to this when it is released on Christmas Day, uh, which we've never done before, and I have a very special guest who you've just heard introduce himself, but what he doesn't know is that there's another special guest uh, who you will be hearing from at the end of the show, which is going to mix up the competition just a little bit. So I have two uh, interlopers to my monologues uh, presenting me with their five favourite things about the next Doctor, and one of them has a bit of a personal stake in it. So uh, we will uh, find out uh, all the details of that after we've watched the episode, which I have lined up on BBC iPlayer. Uh, other, I also have it on DVD on my shelf. I've probably got it kicking around in various forms, but here we are. Uh, I'm going to watch it on iPlayer, and I'm going to press play in three, two, one. So, uh, here we are in the snow, and... Uh, now I don't know if it's my screen, but there's there's a sort of bit of picture interference, wobb wobbly snow in the in the snow at the back of shot there. But I don't know if that's just because I'm watching on a on a large screen, because uh, uh, oh, I am watching on on quite a large screen, which I didn't have uh, when this came out. Um, haven't seen this for a while. Um, I do like the idea of a Doctor Who Christmas special. I think I love snow. I'm a bit of a fan of Christmas and having it in this period setting. It, it looks like a sort of picture postcard Christmas, all the top hats, uh, all the people in flat caps, uh, a few uh, actors of colour uh, in the background to uh, annoy people who get furious about things they shouldn't get furious about. Uh, <laughs> um, and... Uh, but, you know, carol singers it's got the whole shebang it's got the whole feeling of christmas i love this this building that they're in front of um and you know in the build-up to this even an urchin a, a cheeky street urchin <laughs> um and uh alexa volume five um and sorry that's me just uh giving it a bit more volume because i don't want to miss the dialogue uh, great hero shot there of the doctor being called and this is the great wheeze of the episode especially as you know, uh, rumour was rife, rumour was abroad about who's going to be the next Doctor. They teased us already uh, with the Doctor nearly regenerating in Journey's End. Uh, and, uh, of 
called Journey's End. Uh, and then we have this thing called The Next Doctor. And I remember a, a, a parent at school, Liz, uh, mother of Peter and Arthur, uh, coming up to me and saying, I, I think I... Because people used to come up... Parents and kids used to come up in me in the playground when I was picking my kids up. Um, it's the only time I've sort of felt like a parent, actually like a legitimate parent, part of the parental conversation. Uh uh, that's a great shot of them both doing the thing at exactly the same time. Um, you know, it's saying these this is these are the two doctors. Um uh, and and Liz uh, came up to me and said, I I think I've I, I know who's gonna be the new doctor. And I was like, Okay, uh none of us I d I don't know, so to be honest, you're not likely to. I didn't say this, this is what I thought, but I didn't say it because you don't want to be that guy. And he said, Yeah, I've I think it's David Morrissey. And you're like, oh, what? Because they've announced in loads of the papers that the Christmas special is going to be called The Next Doctor and it's got David Morrissey in it playing somebody. <laughs> and you've gone, oh, it's probably that. And I've got, I've got the inside, uh, I've got the inside tip off. Or do you think that's all part of the publicity? And Morrissey played gamely along, didn't he? Uh, uh, not sort of giving anything away. Love his costume. Now, the Cyber Shades, uh, their director, Andy Goddard, we will be talking about him. Uh, who'd done loads on Torchwood. Um, but um, the Cyber Shades, uh, I, I I think have been largely forgotten. And I remember, well, that's actually rather nifty, that him going up up the wall. Um, and that's, that, this is, that's rather fun. Um, how funny, I was, I was, I was all prepared to sort of go, oh, the, the Cyber Shades aren't, aren't much cop. Um, but actually, I thought that was pretty neat. They'd, but they'd certainly been the thing that when I'd come away with it at the time and gone, oh, yeah, better not talk about them. Um, but I think they're moving rather niftily there up the wall. That's that's a decent special effect, too. That holds up well still. Um, and I think it's because they have the same silhouette and a certain aspect of the Taran wood beast about them. So that's an easy gag to make, isn't it? Uh, you know, there's, there's the cyber shades... Uh, uh, you know, distant or related to the Taran Woodbeast and almost as convincing. But actually, I I think that's quite a... They also have the aspect of... Is it Barber Papa who were who were sort of balloon-like creatures but uh, who all had this sort of balloon-like oval shape and were all different colours, except the black one who was spiky and had the silhouette of Nasher the dog. They also... The Cyber Shades have the silhouette of Nasher the dog. Cyber Nashers! Uh, and uh, Rosita's proving herself a, a very game and a helpful companion uh now game was not a uh, that wasn't a that wasn't that could have been a very good joke because i think it suggested later that she's a lady of the night she's on the game but uh, that's not why i said that she is game and she's capable and she is fun uh and the actress um uh, vel uh she's called I, I met her at a convention and she was very down to earth very open very lovely cheerful uh I hope she's doing well. I haven't seen her in an awful lot, but there's loads of programmes being made now by Netflix and people like that that I don't see. So uh, I hope she's well and happy because uh, she was good fun at the convention that we uh, we attended together. Um, she's she's quite in your face, isn't she? Um, I I quite like that. And Doctor Who's always, you know, had to struggle a bit with, um, you know, if especially if, the, if the, you know the leads here are two men. What's the what's the, you know, the 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 third character, the female usually in this situation, going to do. Um, and of course, then there's a danger of having the, you know, the tart with the heart cliche or the or the one that's so bolshy they're actually unlikable and you go, oh, give it a rest. But I, I, I've i quite enjoyed Rosita so far. As I say, it's, it's a while 
since I've seen this. Uh, but yeah, the, the cyber shades were actually a pleasant surprise there. But I, th I think this central wheeze, particularly this time of the show, it's not only a great idea for a story. Um, I also like the big finish one called The One Doctor, where they have somebody horse, you know, carrying on Christopher Biggins, Banto's aim, uh, carrying on pretending to be the Doctor for nefarious purposes. I'm surprised they haven't done a version of that uh, for the TV series. But this is, this is a great idea. And you're still not entirely sure i think you do i did quite a lot of double think at this time i've talked in a previous um podcast about um oh that hasn't been released yet but um um uh, about you know seeing a black dalek uh, and going well we haven't had a black dalek uh and and then forgetting that the the daleks were probably going to turn up and be very excited uh at the end of army of ghosts um but david david morrissey is good casting um because uh, you had to have somebody with a bit of cachet. Um, you know, the Doctor has to be, as John Hurt showed, the Doctor has to be, you have to have somebody with a bit of oomph to make it worth sort of giving the character away for a moment, because the Doctor is the Doctor, the Doctor is the central character. So if somebody's going to steal that mantle or assume that mantle or even disguise themselves, they need to be somebody, you know, who's a bit headline news for, for whatever reason. And, and David Morris had worked with... Tenant before, and of course, uh, uh, doing the governor in The Walking Dead. Uh, was that was that around this time? Yeah, must have been. Uh, he actually emailed me when I was doing Who's Round. A, a lovely guy called Jim at BAFTA emailed all the BAFTA members who've been in Doc Two and said, "Would you be interested in doing this guy's thing?" And, and David Morrissey actually emailed me and said, I'd, "I'd love to, but when? I'm so busy." And we did actually do a bit of a back and forth. And he always replied, um, which even people I know don't reply to emails, uh, uh, to either say, I, and, "And eventually just said, oh, I just can't. I'm just it's not, it's, I'm not going to have the time." Uh, I'd, I'd suggested there was a time when he was coming to Liverpool, and I said, "Oh, I couldn't make it over." Uh, so I think he's a he's a decent fella, um, uh, uh, David Morris. He seems to be, um, despite being you know really busy and having done stuff in the states. I mean, you know, he had a a major role in The Walking Dead. Um, uh, love all this snow stuff. Andy Goddard's direction, by the way, is excellent. I love that silhouette of that Cyberman. Um, oh, I'd forgotten there's a Cyberman with a black face and a brain. I had totally forgotten the Brainiac Cyberman bang. Uh, a sort of cyber leader they've gone for, which is, uh, uh, you know, that is quite an uh, old school series. Um, I'm, st I'm, st I'm still divided in my thought about the modern Cybermen. I think I prefer the modern Daleks and the old Cybermen. Uh, I, 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 I really like the design of the Cybermen and I like their masks here, but I find their their gait, the way they hold their arms, and 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 I think the sort of curve outs on their on their arms and legs, I, I, I don't know, I sort of works for me as a concept. But I, I the, yeah, those sleeves are a bit too big. They look like they've got magician sleeves. I think I prefer my Cybermen sleeker, even if they're slightly you know sort of baggier like they are in the in the old series. I think I prefer you know tight fitting, uh, uh, but metallic, so a hybrid, uh, which is appropriate for. Uh, Cybermen. Uh, that, and that's not to say I don't like these Cybermen, but if I was, but that they, they, they don't a hundred percent do it for me. I love this uh, this sequence coming up. If it's the so we've got a black funereal thing going on, and of course these guys are going to get taken over by the Cybermen and do their dirty work, and they're going to remain, I think, dressed in their funeral garb, which is great for sort of a great visual for um, cyber side kickery, you know, and. Uh, it means the people doing the aliens' dirty works played by humans who are, you know, easier to, 
to, to, to, to sort of direct and have and do all that sort of stuff. Um, but they still have a good look about them. Uh, so so we, now we're let to know early on, aren't we, that there's something wrong here because his sonic screwdriver is just a screwdriver. So there's this early on, they sort of go, look, you know he's not the next Doctor. Because uh, it's a, is it a screwdriver or a chisel? Uh, oh, yeah, and he, and he bangs it to make the noise. Yeah. So we already sort of going, oh, well, he's he's not the doctor. And that's kind of this is the area of sort of headlines. I mean, the doctor's daughter, for example. I mean, there's no reason for, reason for her to say hello, dad. Uh, does everybody say that when they come out of the cloning machine? It's an immediate kind of headline grabber to say, oh, what's this? Um, but this one, I think, has a bit more a bit more weight to it than 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 that sort of. Uh, mid-season misdirection this is this is a beautiful idea and of course the the reasoning behind it i think is is terribly moving and extremely well done if i recall correctly there's uh you know so he's he's got this wonderful bravado about him david morrissey but he's a clever enough actor that it's it's just not quite convincing enough he is uh, david morrissey could make a brilliant brilliant doctor but he's he's a good enough actor to suggest that these clothes don't quite fit in I, I'm not talking about his literal clothes. I'm talking about the clothes of the doctor. He's speaking the way that he thinks perhaps a doctor should. You know, it's slightly the dialogue is slightly arch, and that's clever from from Russell as well. Not not to send it up or make it too stupid, but there's just a little bit in it that makes it a slightly on occasion like a fan written version of the. Whenever you see a sort of, a, a, oh no, but from many, from many many years ago, I haven't seen. I know the fan stuff at the, at the moment is of, of extreme quality because there's loads of creative people out there but I remember sort of reading fan stuff when I was younger and it was the doctor would always sort of, sort of say things uh, indubitably my dear fellow and speak like a sort of wandering th- thesaurus uh, uh, and oh this is a great misdirect with the fob watch so it's still going we've shown you the silly screwdriver but we're still tempting you with this idea and Tennant I, I have I mean I could talk about Tennant all the time, uh, but and I, and I actually like him more now than I did then, and I liked him then. Uh, I, I was, I, I think it's taken me a while to assimilate the sort of cheeky cockney chubby thing, um, uh, because I think I, you know I was programmed for Edwardian gentleman thing, and having had the sort of. Uh, Warsguard Northerner of Eccleston, uh, and then together I was going. I still haven't quite had the cheeky eccentric Edwardian thing, which Matt Smith did did rather well, and he had the, also the uh, the young man in the old man's body. But but um, and, and as I say, I loved Tennant at the time. But um, as I say, there was part of me that was like, oh, it's a bit sort of ooh ah ooh, you know, uh, and, and 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 not quite. Oh, I'm slightly eccentric. Uh, but actually, his eccentricity is very different, and the energy and the and the pace. And the attack that he gives to it, he knows exactly where he is in the episode. He knows exactly how to pitch the drama. He drives the drama. I think he's funny. I, th- I mean, I think Tennant is brilliant. I think he is a superb, superb actor. And actually, he is very doctorish. Uh, and as now we've had more doctors, you know, you go, no, actually, uh, you know. Uh, and, and this is this is clever, of course. The the uh, the the info stamp that becomes. You know the, the the driver behind uh, this doctor's secret. I love his waistcoat. I love his coat, and it is what you'd sort of choose to play the doctor, isn't it? Um, oh, and it, and he does. He's he's got a wonderful suggestion of sort of hurt behind the eyes that he doesn't he doesn't quite understand. Uh, 
and again this is brilliant because it's throwing us out questions but all of the questions this is the brilliant thing about russell t davis's scripts all of the questions and the mysteries have an emotional answer have an answer that has an impact on the characters which means that you don't which means that you don't just go well okay because anything can happen in science fiction of course anything can happen in science fiction now it helps if it's logical within the science fiction which this is because he set up what the info stamps do and you could kind of buy all of that but then when you get the thing you get the revelation you 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 don't just go oh right you go oh god you know yes it's that but also the fact that is that is really sad uh uh and i think that's that's brilliant i'm loving the lighting in this and the the lights coming through and the colour palette of it all. Uh, Andy Goddard, uh, I, 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 I was looking forward to directing this because he'd done some great work on Torchwood. He directed Countryside, which is a strange episode, but it's very, very well directed. And it has an opening sequence with that song, What's That Coming Over Hill? Is it a monster? Is it a monster? You'll know the name of the song because you're into modern pop. I, I sang it, you know what I mean. But uh, yeah, and, and I remember that being a brilliant sequence in that episode, a riff on the old, uh, you know, story that used to tell each other at night to spook each other at school or brothers and sisters or whatever, at camp or whatever. You know, that one about the, the woman hearing something being banged on the top of her car and the police eventually come and tell her to not to look back. And she looks back and it's her husband's head who's gone off for help. And that's being banged on on the on, on the top of the car and that was a, it was a kind of play on that really terrifying brilliantly directed and i'd i'd and, and i'd been tipped off that he was good because uh andrew who's in charge of the theater all at bath where i tour moths ate my doctor who scarf said oh i know this guy who's directing some torchwoods i'm sure that's so i sort of knew andy's name before he before i'd seen any of his work and so it was inevitable of course that uh i would end up uh getting to know him because when I moved back to Manchester and started dating Chez, I met this friend of hers who's a makeup designer and they were talking and Chez said, oh, you know, Toby's really into Doctor Who. And Andrew said, oh, my husband directed a Doctor Who. And of course, it was Andy. So, uh, uh, so yeah, full disclosure, I am slightly biased towards director Andy Goddard, but I think he's a terrific, terrific director. But also, full disclosure, he did cast me in a film last year, year before last, that came out this year. But... I thought he was a good director before that. In fact, I think casting me may have blotted his copybook. Uh, uh, so he directed a movie called Six Minutes to Midnight that I have a, a little bit in, but nice to do. Um, and so we're, the, the doctor's listening to his heart, but we don't, I think, I've got to fit, he doesn't give that away now, does he? We don't, we don't hear him say. So the doctor knows. The doctor is ahead of us. Alexa, volume six. Um, I I see. I hope this sequence is all I remember it to be. I absolutely adore the colours. I love that aerial shot. I love snow. I love snow anyway. Snow in Doctor Who, I love. I love the claws of Axos. Oh, look at that. Dervla Kerwin all in red. That's a brilliant shot of her emerging red through the mist. Uh, the added bonus that the vicar is played by the son of Professor Quatermass, that is Jason Morell, son of Andre Morell. And you can tell, can't you? He's got his dad's face. I've uh, I've spent a little bit of time with Jason interviewing him about his dad for my Quatermass book. Uh, We talked a bit of Doctor Who. He was an old, he was at college with Russell T. Davis, I think. Um, And he he told me the story that that when he turned up, you know, everyone was really pleased to see him, you know, and... uh, 
uh, and you know a bit of a fuss was made because he was Russell's mate or whatever and David Tennant sort of went who the hell are you how come you're getting this treatment only very jokingly and friendly but there was a bit of a kind of oh, uh, and it's because yeah he's an old mate of, of, of Russell's um, and Vincent Brimmer that's Edmund Kent who's sadly uh, one of the, the new series actors that's passed away he died about this time last year um, uh, uh, and Michael Burtonshaw is the other excellent actor uh speaking uh, top hat uh, and my friend Vincent Brimble I think auditioned for for one of those two guys uh, Vincent who played Tarpok in Warriors of the Deep and has just been Grumpy Grandad in Village of the Angels which actually is probably a better part than than these so well, he auditioned in uh, whenever this was uh, ten, nearly 10 years ago and and you know is remembered by the casting director and eventually comes back you know, I don't know if he's been seen for other parts since, but eventually makes it back into the show. I'm thrilled because Tarpok's not the best part in Classic Who, so I'm thrilled that Vincent has made it back in Village of the Dam- uh, Village of the Angels uh, after a near miss here with uh, the next Doctor. Uh, this is glorious Cybermen in the Snow. I love Cybermen in the Graveyard. I love Dervla Kerwin. I'm going to talk about loads because I think she's absolutely fabulous uh, and. This is really glorious and horrible. And on BBC television, love the mist and on Christmas Day. And there's, I think the side men look superb in the snow. And I think Andy's directing them really nicely. And the angles here uh, are, are great. She's, she's got a brilliant sort of inscrutability about her. Uh, and, and a sort of quiet amusement at her superiority, but a, a sort of sad, gimlet-eyed thing going on as well. And it's interesting what they do with it, because I seem to recall she has a lot of lines about men being useless, and it's uh, uh, and, and in lesser hands it would just be, oh, she's one-note uh, a feminist from the olden days with ideas, you know, and, and that's her character. But it's, it's, it's actually all about the fact that she is the most intelligent person around, um, but will never flourish at this time because of the inherent misogyny within the society. So shes it's a completely plausible motivation. It's not that she's got ideas above her station. It's that she's not allowed to inhabit her station because of the time. And I think that's very subtly done. Um, and that's the last with this. We don't actually see the, the vicar, priest, the vicar die, do we? It's just uh, nice. I assume, was that just him that we heard? Merry Christmas. shes I love her quiet amusement at it. Uh, she, oh, she's really, really good. She's a terrific actress, and uh, oh, she's called Mercy, isn't she? <laughs> I, 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 and that, but those eyes are a fire. All that, that she's almost got a sort of permanent smile that's a mask uh, for the emotion underneath. There's a, there's a sadness and a coldness there. It's a really clever performance. Um, but it's a, it's a brilliant central idea, isn't this? Uh, and 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 they're still they're still leaving you with enough doubt. So of course here we have the big reveal of the TARDIS. Uh, oh no, the, they've they've raised the spectre of the TARDIS. We haven't seen the TARDIS yet. Um, so yeah, it's a great it's a it's a, it's a good one for a Christmas special. I remember when I watched this. Funnily enough. Um, I'd mentioned Harold Pinter in one of my Doctor Who related social media messages or tweets or something. And then this was the day that Harold Pinter died or the death of Harold Pinter was announced. Harold Pinter, of course, famously wasn't in The Abominable Snowmen, but many publications and even the BBC CD of the 
soundtrack of The Abominable Snowman said it was Harold Pinter, even though the minutest amount of research would have told you otherwise. So Tacky on TV and the wonderful Neil Perryman. Uh, they actually produced a, a T-shirt before Redbubble, a, a producer... Uh, a t-shirt that, uh, that said Harold Pinter was not in the Abominable Snowmen Toby Haydock as a t-shirt and I meant to buy one and I never did you can't get them now um, uh, and uh, and so uh, Neil and I joshed about uh, Harold Pinter and of course he, he I think it was him that dropped me a thing and said oh uh, whatever he said you know made an allusion to basically uh, Harold Pinter has, has died and his death certainly came out the Christmas day that this was on uh, so so I yeah I was at I was at my ex-wife's mother's house watching this. I remember, but I remember that this warm glow of this fire in this scene sort of reminds me of Christmas because I'm a country boy. So warm glows of fires is a very, very Christmassy thing. And you've got the holly there. And I think, I think, I think, and I'm a sucker for a, a Christmas special that really is this sort of picture postcard period Christmas special kind of kind of wheeze. Um, and I and I applaud them for for keeping the. Christmas specials, you know, interesting and different every time. Um, and and I, I think Doctor Who in a period setting is is one that appeals to me a lot because I think it's the sort of thing the BBC does better than anybody else, uh, period, period drama. Um, Doctor Who, it, it helps with the incongruity because what I love about Doctor Who is, um, you know, the clash of ancient and modern, the clash of spectacular and mundane and humdrum, uh, the the, the clash of you know the intergalactic with uh, with the everyday the the clash of the idea of space and time travel with a hot air balloon I mean it's a it's a lovely it's a lovely gag um, it's a terrible acronym but I suppose that's the joke <laughs> um, I suppose that's the joke but uh, they didn't even try to go should we try, try, try and make this a plausible uh, acronym for for how a balloon works no we'll just do it as a as a as a as a as a, a, a very very bad torturous uh, thing. Another lovely little clue. He's got lot. He's got money. And the Doctor Tenant acts all of this stuff so brilliant. His mind is racing at a million miles an hour, and he's just soaking everything in whilst maintaining, uh, you know, civility, uh, uh, and and also you know with a, with a, half his brain probably scanning for danger. It's it's such a brilliant performance um i wonder why i had so misgivings about the sort of cockney chatterer element of it um which as i say it it, it, it i don't know what i expected because he is a, you know he's a younger man than than the than the doctors that i was used to with the classic series and certainly a younger energy let's take davison out of the equation but davison was old man in a in a young man's body a lot of the time and i'm not sure tenant is the same he does certainly does channel the war scarred uh, and and the ancient but that but 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 he's also got that uh that youthful that that sort of vim that bite that the, that attack he's always on the go and i think modern television really needs that and i think doctor who really needs that to keep the pace to keep the energy and to and to make sure and this is what this doctor of this time does so well is that the stakes get up to every sort of five to ten minutes there's no cliffhangers because there are no you know stories in that way but actually the dial the dial goes up or 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 something happens that that makes it change gears which means that you know there, there are very few longers in in these sorts of stories and Oh, that she has a weariness about her too. Um, 
Yeah, she's good. Oh, and the, the cyber shade is driving the the horse and cart. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and the Cybermen uh, at Christmas is is nice. I do like the Cybermen. They were always my favourite monster in the olden days. Uh, but that's partially because I can never go for everybody's favourite monster because I like to sell my, style myself as a maverick. Uh, but I love the Daleks too. Um, uh, but I think I think yeah, I, uh, I, 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 but the Daleks, the Cybermen at night look very good. Um, but what's what's the story with uh, this Doctor, of course, Jackson Lake? Yeah, he's set up as a kind of... You think he's going to be one of those figures like President Zab or uh, whoever who's talked about, looms large in a story that they don't actually appear in. Uh, is this the revelation? Oh, yes, because it's a story about about dangerous memories and about not facing things. I saw, I read a brilliant tweet today where somebody said, uh, uh, you know, dear sir, apologies for being late to reply to your tweet. Uh, I, I didn't open it for ages because of imagined disaster or something. And I'm like that. If I see a, I, I sometimes won't open an email for no, for, even though it's, there's nothing about it that suggests a portent of doom, but there's something about if I open it, I'll unleash whatever it is that I just don't want to look at at the moment. Um, uh, and I certainly am somebody who is haunted by memories. I cannot escape moments, just sometimes a trivial moment from the past that comes up, and sometimes an important moment of the past, something I've said, something I've done. Uh, but these memories, these memories are the Doctor. And this is this is the first time, isn't it, we see all all the old Doctors and confirm, yeah, and, and including Paul McGann. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've had the journey of impossible things, but... But that's clips of all the doctors. Oh, that was a big deal. I remember. I remember the mention of Gallifrey in uh, the Runaway Bride being a huge one. But oh, I, and I th I love the way that we had no right to expect the new series of Doctor Who to 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 pay service to us as as fans of the original at all. And the fact that they went to such great lengths, but very slowly and very sensibly and not self indulgently to slowly bring the old series into the fold, which I suspect the BBC weren't that interested in. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I think that there, were, there have been occasions, haven't they, when there's been a complete, you know, um, uh, d disassociation, uh, you know, the, like the, the Doctor Who musical concert. You can have eight minutes from the classic series and everything else is from the new series. You know, really? Really? Um, and, and, and I think sometimes some of the you know the merchandise ranges were like you don't have stuff from the old series it's only stuff post 2005 and even you know i think certain documentaries and things but but actually on the whole uh, uh, the 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 showrunners the creators uh have wanted and very cleverly and i as i say i suspect against the wishes of the executive branch of the bbc and the merchandisers and all of those people uh, just uh, just folded old to into new who to an extent that you know I would have been happy for them not to even though I know that I would 
have preferred it. But it just means that then when Gallifrey is said in The Runaway Bride and when all the doctors appear here, you go, oh, yes. Oh, yes, thank you, because that's for me. Do you know what I mean? That's for me. That's not for that's not for the other, you know, that's not for the ten, most of the 10 million people watching on Christmas Day. That's for me and about 5,000 other people. <laughs> uh, Tennant does so well with his eyes, doesn't he? And this is a great moment for Morrissey. And of course, oh, he's so good. And it's so heartbreaking. Always with Russell T. Davis. as an emotional thing. A loss. And the reason he is the doctor is because he cannot face the heartache. And an awful memory that, that that's there that, that can never go away. And I, as I say, I, I am haunted by memories, not, not, not of the death of my wife, but of, 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 of sadnesses that have happened. But as I say, sometimes just moments of embarrassment, things I wish I hadn't said, uh, annoying encounters, um, just, yeah, sometimes the way I said something, but also a couple of, couple of bits of heartache that sometimes when I'm putting up a shelf or walking the dog, just suddenly raise their ugly head and 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 cause pain and i think this this is a really good way of addressing that within the science fiction of doctor who and using it to facilitate the brilliant headline grabbing idea of another doctor but of course he's not another doctor the doctor he hides behind the doctor in order to take the pain away and i think i think doctor who fans know something about that uh Rosita gets a lot more to do than I'd imagined. Oh, and she's lovely. She's a great, she's a great character, feisty sidekick, uh, but decent, you know. Um, and so, oh, and, and of course, children at Christmas. Uh, this is very, uh, uh, this is again kind of evoking sort of, and, and not shying away from sort of, you know, Dickensian squalor and all of that sort of thing that we also associate with, because not all of our Christmas tales are happy ones, you know, or they might end happy, but they, you know, they base themselves in the idea of, uh, uh, you know, poverty and those who don't have everything they want at Christmas, particularly if it's a Christmas decked out like this, you know, dirty-faced, hungry urchins are never too far away. And so, you know, it's not forgetting the message of Christmas, uh, which which is kind of important. Um, I, 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 so, yeah, I say picture postcard, but, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a postcard that comes with a, a government health warning uh, uh, about, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, with, not too long ago, and, and if we're not careful, you know, the gap between the rich and the poor means the things... That we take for granted and our you know our gorging that we do and the largesse that uh, is uh, is on show is is not the truth of christmas for everybody um and i think you know i think there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that and i think it's it's important to acknowledge that um but also you know it's uh it's very helpful for the depiction of this kind of Christmas period and this kind of Christmas story. And, of course, it gives great stakes for the Doctor and, as we'll also discover, for Jackson Lake uh, because uh, hidden amongst these kids uh, is 
the next twist in the Jackson Lake revealed because we haven't had it all. So we think, oh, okay, we, we've we've got to grips now with this. Uh, we know who he is and why he's the Doctor, but but the story has another twist up its sleeve, which uh, you know, which again gives us a bit of an emotional lift and actually an emotional high, but still one that produces tears and it gives us and this is what actually that the russell era is so good as it gives us another hero moment and and lots of people in russell t davis doctor who get a hero moment a moment of revelation a moment where they do a thing they wouldn't have done had they not encountered the doctor but who's who's enabled them to see their potential the hero moments are great drama sometimes maybe even slightly cheesy drama but but they're great drama i'm a sucker for them they always give me a lump in the throat or a bit of a cry uh but they're also great in in terms of what they display about doctor who is that doctor who enables us to search for the hero inside of ourselves or to or to or to do those fundamentals that the doctor does that 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 when we see people not doing that we feel people people come up short uh, I love the Cybermen at, at night here and, and flanking Miss Miss Hartigan. And, uh, oh, and this is a nice touch because he tries to outwit the Cyberman and the Cyberman is ahead of him because there's a, there's a danger that the Cybermen can look stupid sometimes when they get outwitted. Uh, but I've got a feeling this actually turns out to be another bluff, does it? Or uh, there's, there's more to the Doctor's plan with the info stamp anyway is that right um but the info but i like the fact that the info stamps are uh, uh are a useful plot driver but also you know with a little bit of tweaking they could blow a cyberman's head off and you've got that 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 whole belt of them that the doctor got out earlier which is a nice visual because it looks like a belt of bullets that you'd have in a western so it suggests packing heat even though they're not the bullets of a machine gun it's that it it gives the same visual which is which is very witty and very sort of wise deployment of visuals uh, of, of visuals to tell the story i think dervla Kerwin's wonderful um d deliciously evil um but without going over the top uh and and but has a plausible a plausible motivation and who's killed the Simon? a hero moment look at him with his machine gun bullets uh He's not the Doctor, but he is he is the Doctor, do you know? Oh, and yes, now uh, Rosita gets her moment uh, of, of punching. Oh, yes, because she, she'd she made some sort of insulting uh, suggestion about her, hadn't she? About about her, she, she'd done a sort of bitchy sort of comment about uh, Rosita's uh, livelihood. The Cybermen will rise tonight. That's a great Doctor Who line, but she she uh, she didn't go for the obvious either, but she did it well. She gave it the right welly and heft. But uh, yeah, again, Rosita gets a nice little moment. Everybody gets their bit. It's it's like in feature films where those are the best American action movies. They have all these sort of funny supporting characters who might only have, you know, three dozen lines, but they pop up throughout the movie. I'm thinking sort of Die Hard and things like that, where, but where everybody gets their payoff or their moment or their funny little gag or the topper to their gag or the the fulfillment of their punchline or their their moment of bravery and 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 it's it's why hollywood movies work so well because you know amidst all of the action they're populated with with uh with with these these 
sort of characters that you you can afford to alight upon and give their moment. And I think and I think that happens a lot in Russell T Davis's Doctor Who. How do we feel about this half black, half silver Cyberman head with the brain thing showing? They they never did that again, did they? Maybe they did. Uh, but I had totally forgotten him, and I quite like him. Uh, oh, and she kills. She kills them off. Now, I never like it when baddies kill other baddies, but of course these weren't really baddies. They were they were servants, and of course she's uh, she's sticking it to the men, so that's a very satisfying moment for her, the scarlet woman that she is. Um, and this is this is a brilliant set actually as well. Kudos to the to the stage design, and this is wonderfully uh, uh, sort of what's it what's it called that. Uh, uh, sort of cyberpunky, isn't it? It's slightly, slightly cyberpunky, and uh, uh, but evoking as it does, you know, the heart, the 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 work of the workhouses, and the, you know, and and it, you know, it's and it's quite brave, I think, showing children being treated quite so badly. Uh, uh, it's. Uh, I'm sure it's something they had to think about sort of tonally, but because we're slightly distanced from it and they all and they all look like urchins from from the chorus of Oliver or, or every sperm is sacred because they're a sort of TV type in a way. I don't think you'd be able to show sort of modern ch child wage slaves in a similar situation. So, you know, that's a very smart deployment of of your your, your social comment and your tactics about how to tell certain stories. Um Oh, they did. I, uh, Andy did tell me uh, uh, a couple of the actors that they'd uh, they'd looked at for for the the other Doctor, uh, which uh, sadly I, I can't repeat because they were told in in, in confidence. Uh, but very interesting, very interesting, and I'm sure that they they will come out in the future when a bit of time has passed. Um, but I bet they had great fun deciding you know, who, who, who it should be. But I think I can't actually think of a better choice. It seems so timely, so of the time that, that, that Morrissey would be the guy. And it was plausible that he would play the Doctor. Um, and, and, and again, the, the turning of the enemies upon each other is sometimes a trope that I dislike. But, but this seems, this sort of works in a way because one, because as we shall see, she when when she goes in there's a twist but also of course the cybermen kind of think they're doing her a favor uh which uh uh, uh but yeah i would have served you anyway is a is a, is a great thing to say. so why, why are you doing this because um but as i say she turns the table which is a lovely twist because you go oh this is a bit oh yeah i could have seen this coming i suppose the how do we get rid of the female baddie we can't have the doctor kill her so of course the side men are going to turn on her but uh and, and, it, and it allows for this brilliant moment doesn't she open her eyes and they're jet black uh which is fabulous and so you probably think that that's the end of it um and that she's now just going to be uh the, the cyber king haha <laughs> uh but uh no uh, but I love I love this visual of the black eyes again. Just a very simple effect. Well, I don't know how simple it is to do, but uh, turning a human being's eyes black and it's a it becomes a complete distortion of 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 a face uh, just with that simple chilling addition. I, I think Andy's directed the Cybermen brilliantly in these workhouse scenes. Uh, 
you know, like uh, sort of overseers. Uh, and that's a great, uh, that's obviously a bit of, uh, bit of, it's not called paint boxes, a bit of CGI or stuff going on up there, but it, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, there's flames going on and steam and cogs and, uh, and that red lighting on their faces is brilliant. It's visually fantastic, this. Um, yeah, all hail uh, Cyber King, all hail Andy, the director. I love all this. It's very steamy, isn't it, this episode? Uh, uh, and the brilliance is that we've established that she's the most intelligent person in the room. Again, it is a bit sad for the Cybermen that the, they have their tables turned on them, but I suppose they are relatively simple creatures aren't they that's all they're, they're simple creatures of, of, of without without nuance uh but but the fact that she uh has such a mind means that she 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 can actually become this sort of terrifying hybrid and and even more potent than the cybermen uh and devla cohen again does it does it really well uh Yeah, and and yeah, I, I, nice shot of the cyber hands as well, uh, and that's a that's a good look as well. Again, it's a very sort of simple, you know, it's just half a cyber hat kind of thing, a brass cyber hat, uh, but it's a it's a great visual, and she's doing proper Doctor Who baddie acting, um, with a little extra something, I think, um, uh, and. And yeah, so suddenly you go, okay, well, we thought the Cybermen were the threat. We kind of got the measure of them. Oh, but now she's wiped out the cool black brain Cyberman guy. Uh, where do we go from here? And I certainly wasn't expecting uh, what, what what happens uh, next, where, again, you sort of thought the Christmas special was, was winding down a little bit. Uh, and okay, he's got to defeat the Cybermen and this woman. Okay, now he's got to defeat this woman who's now in charge of the Cybermen. But that's, okay, that's the twist. That's uh, that's the escalation of the of the threat. And Rusty Davis at his typewriter there going, ho, 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 ho. Oh, should I do a giant cyber thing? Stomping over Victorian England. Yeah, not Victorian England. Is it Victorian? Oh, I, Edwardian England. Oh, I don't know. Whichever England. Old England. Old England. Chocolate box England. But a chocolate box with, with poverty and scurvy inside. Uh... Uh, lovely that Ro Rosita is still playing. She, she, she's, she's had a really good active role throughout this. I'd kind of forgotten that. Um, she's, she's not just sort of mouthy madam. She, uh, she gets some really good heroic moments and uh, holds her own. And uh, yeah, good for her. Uh, yeah, and that's, I love that shot of the cyber shades through the Cybermen's legs and in the steam. She's absolutely fantastic uh, uh, looking as well, isn't she, Val? She's she's she 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 looks absolutely stunning in the in the whole palette of it all. I think it's a really really magnificent picture, the whole thing. Um, but poor old uh, oh, and it's it's just about to hit him, isn't it? Which is which is I think is really I'm getting a bit emotional because I do I do find. The idea of being lost and by being of being broken, and I've been both in my time. I'm sure we all have. When you felt absolutely abject, and when you have scars that you know will never quite heal, I've got a couple of those too. You know, you 
this sudden realization that oh i've got a kid but actually the kid was taken away from me and that's so that's why i've forgotten the kid to protect myself uh, and now when i have that brilliant moment i've got a child of course russell won't let him for it sort of find his child happily behind a bush and go my son my son it's like i found my child he's on a ledge hanging over some really hot furnace type thing in a room that's about to explode that that people is the genius of this period of doctor who every single re re revelation every single plot e escalation has an emotional ramification and has an escalation of the stakes this always has a, a forward momentum that, that the adventure just keeps going and keeps building and every time you think you've had a you know the set piece the cybermen in the snow or whatever the dragging with the cyber shades whatever uh, the, the the fight with the cybermen with the sword you know uh, all of that there's another one round the corner uh we haven't even got we haven't even got to the balloon yet i mean this feels like the climax and we haven't even had the 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 main bit yet it every, every time i've sort of half of me thought the story is winding down to the end bit i'm reminded because i've seen this before that oh no there's another big moment to happen yet and, and as a viewer on christmas day when this went out i had you know this seems to be the oh yeah this is okay this is the lovely you know he'll always be a bit broken probably will he but but he's got a reason to live again you know that's the thing that what the scars of his of his dead wife you know the doctor who's not you know, not everybody lives most of the time. Uh, and it actually tells us that, you know, that the, the secret is to live through the terror uh, and, and experience the death and destruction and get on with it. Look at that. How audacious. I did remember, I think, texting my brother who said, uh, uh, why is it in the history books that there's there's a big Cyberman stumping all over old london town uh and i and i'm sure i texted him and said oh i thought that was great fun although yeah i i, I was I, I was a bit taken aback by the the cyber nonsense machine uh, uh and but and so so i remember the first time going really how are they going to explain this away and then going oh they they just don't but i absolutely love this now i think that shot of uh of Rosita and the, the giant cyber head coming out and oh then the reveal of oh that's what they're inside so she's and and it's it's like a sort of yeah cyberpunk transformer stomping over a a a a, 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 a shortbread box illustration you know it's brilliant so it is it's doctor who at christmas uh and you know why why isn't this in the history books for whatever reason you want it to not be um you know they didn't write much down all the records were destroyed uh people forgot people thought they were mad it entered folklore uh the, the doctor erased everybody's memories i i love that look that the doctor gives him the doctor's essentially going i i might not make it back from this and again every time that happens every time tenant does that kind of uh, dramatic oh, you know it's a far far better thing I've got to do this thing I he because he's he, he always gives you the impression that he's hastily improvising running into danger uh, and never quite sure of the exit 
I kind of believe him every time he gives you that look that sort of says, I'm not coming back from this. Um, and I, and even though I know how television works, even though, you know, I was, I was hearing stuff because I, you know, I, I, I know a few people who are hovering around the production by this point. So I'd, I like to think I, I, I might hear some stuff. Uh, I actually soon tired of that and, 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 and so started avoiding things. Um, and, and so I, uh, remained started to you know remain spoiler free uh, because it's actually a much more fun way to be than to be one of the people with one of the six Mona Lisas as it were um, and I'm not saying I, I had any sort of massive uh, you know anyone on the inner circle but you know st stuff gets out in it and, and some of it found its way to me I, and indeed some of it found its way to, to you know a, a, a lot of fans I'm not saying it's because uh, I have an equity card or I'm one of the gang because uh, I'm, I'm certainly not. Um, uh, but, but you know, the idea... I never put it past the show to pull off a shock like David Tennant leaving and not telling us or whatever. I, you know, I, because they'd done so many exciting WTF moments in the past, I sort of thought there's, n there's, there's nothing these people won't try and do. Uh, uh, and this is great. This is beautifully Doctor Who. Uh, a giant cyber metal Mickey versus Doctor Who in a hot air balloon, uh, chucking stuff off frantically, uh, you know, that name is the, is the doctor oh do you see that i'm a sucker for that i get tears in my eyes at that and i know exactly what it's doing to me and i know exactly what it is uh, but i i love it i'm an unapologetic lover of of those kinds of moments um uh, and i love oh and i look because i because the way that the arm goes all the way round. uh and, and the joints and the movements of this cyber beast, I think, are fabulous. And it's brilliant. It's a giant Victorian Cyberman. Or is it Edwardian? I don't know. I'm not a historian. Uh, uh, so she's still got the she's still got the feminist shtick going on, uh, which, as I say, is, is not a kind of cheap. Oh, let's just make her. She's not like a psychotic Isabel Watkins. Ha 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 ha. She's, uh, you know, yeah, the, and the doctor keenly emphasizes, you know, your mind is special, but don't turn it to evil. Uh, and also doing that thing of going, well, the doctor has to blow up this cyber beast with this woman in it. Uh, so he has to give her a chance to surrender uh, because, you know, that's that's the doctor not averse to killing, as we sometimes think. And that's I sort of like to think, you know, he sometimes has to destroy. So, so the program has to sort of pay lip service and he wears it so heavily look tenant uh you know and he sort of gives a hint that uh that that yeah he could be a destroyer you know as well and he doesn't want to be and it's 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 he's aware of the the danger of his own pragmatism you know what it could turn him into and i think that's really clever the doctor has to deal in death uh, uh and, and without being a hypocrite um, but of course brilliant because that's got all the visual like the machine gun thing before that has the visual of him destroying her with a laser beam 
but he hasn't done that again you think you've got the measure of this but instead what he's done is oh and i think that's i think that's that's horribly moving you know that the, the, the uh, and in this in the same way that jackson lake has been hiding his mind uh with a with a uh a, a, a false sort of costume a false personality as costume she too because of the way that her society has made her cover up but cover up her intellect as well as anything else has meant that she's had always had this front which is why her performance was so clever because it had that sort of inscrutability about it that little ghost of a smile hiding blazing eyes you know so so clever um and and because her mind you know she 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 but but also she'd been hiding from herself uh uh and of course in so doing lost herself to evil and when he freed her mind not shot her with a laser beam as it looked like uh again it's it's an ending that or, or an escalation of the plot or a development of the doctor's actions that has an emotional impact on the person it is happening to which makes the drama far more than you know bangs and crashes oh and he get he manages to contrive it so that when the giant cyber nonsense machine falls to its death it doesn't fall on london and doesn't squash it to pieces so there we go uh, another hero shot but a, a a sad one you know that's the doctor did not enjoy that victory because because it came at a cost it came at a cost of somebody he would rather have saved uh, oh do they do they have the snow joke in it because because in previous christmas specials the snow has not actually been snow isn't that right but this is this is snow oh but is the snow because it's something something to do with what the cybermen have done I can't remember, but I always like the snow jokes where you thought it was snow and it was never snow. But I've been talking through this and we get a lovely, uh, a, a lovely little because there's a danger of once Jackson Lake's story is told of, of him sort of not being relevant. But actually he becomes important and now he has a little favour to do to perhaps help the Doctor reconnect with a little bit of himself. And I think that has a beautiful symmetry. You know, the Doctor doesn't always have to be the the, the, the tutor um and some of this 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 these these shots are lovely as well the special effects of the giving the idea of a of a, of a big big old london uh ah, oh, tenants so good uh and so is so is david morrissey the two davids uh so yeah i i've got to think of i've got to think of my five favorite things haven't i well there's definitely got to be the the cyberman in the snow oh does is there a snow joke here No, they won't. Ah. So the doctor just goes funny. That that's interesting. So 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 they don't shy away from it. They don't they don't shy away from the fact that people would have talked about this stuff, but it gives the doctor a little line to sort of go. Yeah, but it isn't though. Um, and I like I like the doctor as as sort of lonely and damaged i think it i do, I do think it, it it's 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 an important aspect of of the character that 
you know, that the, the, there's there's a price to be paid for all, all of the the doctor's heroism and all of the excitement, and that perhaps a lot of the doctor's energy and humor and all of that is is a mask for his terrifying memories that of hurt and loss that he doesn't want to look at so which is why the you know the jackson lake story is a great is a great sort of mirroring of the of the doctor's story oh and he gets to go in the tardis and i think that's lovely as well he gets he gets a, a little moment at the end to to touch the magic uh and I, yeah, I, th I think it's such a brilliant central. The central, so the central wheeze of, of, of the next Doctor. Uh, it, it's such a brilliant idea to tell a, to tell an emotional story, and to sort of recalibrate uh, the Doctor. Uh, uh, you know, at this juncture in the show's history. Um, Yeah, very, very good. Onwards and upwards. Oh, Doctor. Oh, yes, and of course, yeah. The the loss of, of, of living, living a long time. Because they leave. Yeah, and that, you know, that... And and you know that's that's true to the history of the show. You know you know d d you know Tom Baker was very good at sort of sh showing those occasional moments of pain that he would that he would front up, lest he open the door to that. You know, they break my heart, and they do, and they do. And and you know every companion's leaving. And well, no, I mean Martha's was a bit of a little bit of a victory for her, but it came, but it was a victory born of pain, wasn't it? Um, but but. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's one of the great aspects of 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 of, of the modern show is that it it, it does have a, a, an emotional undercurrent that, that that really does tug, and I I don't resist it, and I don't and I don't think it's easy to do well, uh, and and I think that's a lovely, and you know, I I expected the Doctor to go as well. I expected the Doctor to be the sad lonely traveler who wouldn't stay for christmas and i love the fact that he he did um oh i have to rescue the closing credits from uh the bbc iplayer which doesn't think that you should uh, keep watching a program when writing comes up on the screen because oh we don't want uh viewers who like to read on a public service broadcaster um but that's probably an old tune i've played many a time uh, this is sadly when the closing credits start to go get a little bit ugly and, and go at far too fast because I think again an edict had come uh, from uh, the BBC saying they could only last a certain amount of uh, seconds and so uh, I, I think those titles are a bit ugly uh, uh, just the, the size and speed that they go but they have to be that size because you, you wouldn't be able to read them if they were smaller so yeah and that's a shame because it, it, it slightly cheapens uh, everything but that's not that's not a fault of the team they're doing their best uh, with silly executive edicts from uh, a, a broadcaster that uh, doesn't uh, trust its audience to to stay for beautiful closing music and closing titles that uh, organically sort of part of the drama and part of the watching experience. I don't know when that stopped being a thing. Uh, I don't think 
I don't think we benefit from it. Uh, but then again, I've never stood up and started to leave as soon as a film is finished at the cinema. And I know a lot of people do that. So perhaps I'm in the minority. But you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with a public service broadcaster uh, aspiring uh, to uh, uh, hope to perhaps create an environment where people will realise they quite like sticking around and doing doing that rather than go certainly on iPlayer which you're not worried about people turning over to another channel because they've actually come to you as a destination and they can come and go as they please so don't force them into the next thing immediately it uh, makes me feel like you've invited me around for tea and as soon as you give me my main course throw some trifle on me macaroni cheese anyway um, it's very much a fury of mine so listen I've got to choose five things before David does but what David doesn't know is that Andy Goddard, the director of The Next Doctor, I emailed Andy and asked him what his five favourite things about The Next Doctor were. So Andy is going to be a special guest on this podcast, even if only in written form. I've printed out the email, which I have not read. Obviously read the beginning of it when he said, yes, of course, I'll give my five things. Uh, and then I printed it off and I do not know what Andy has chosen. So I've got to see if I can beat David by choosing... Uh, more than two of his five favourite things. If I get more than two, you know, I've I've beaten David. But then, if I don't, I think we've got a... Or even if I do, we've got then you've got a separate competition to see which of our five favourite things we also share with Andy, the director. So isn't that exciting? Um, oh, I do love Christmas. Happy Christmas. You're listening to this on Christmas Day. I'm doing it uh, not too far uh, before Christmas Day because I'm running very behind. But uh, nonetheless, it's not quite full-on festiveville here in Haydock Towers or we have a, an, an undecorated tree um, but I am wearing a Santa hat uh, for, for this largely audio experience but I, I am filming it for YouTube where it will find its way eventually um, so listen my five favourite things the whole number one has got to be the whole the wheeze the setup of the next doctor and, and all that that entails um, you know the casting of David Morrissey. The, I'm probably going to say quite a few, but 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 I think actually what the, the what 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 the story did for the public at that time when they thought are they going to actually because David Tennant had announced he was leaving, uh, and and we nearly had that you know we had that false regeneration at the end of, uh, you know the stolen Earth and that that whole and it's like I wouldn't put it past them. But then what the story actually facilitates, which is a story that. That is a, a, a terribly emotional story of a, of a man hiding from trauma, but that also, you know, has various parallels with our main hero as well. It's a, it, it works on so many different levels. It's an abs and it's a great idea because, oh, we get to play around with the idea of another doctor. We get to cast another doctor, even though it's not one that will have repercussions on the whole of the rest of the series. Wonderful. So the whole wheeze, the whole concept of the next doctor and the way that it was packaged in the media and everything genius uh number two it's got to be the scene in the graveyard with the snow and uh miss hartigan with her with her, in her red dress and all the other guys in black and, and and the snow and the graves and the cybermen in the snow in the midst mist i think that's a brilliant sequence really well conceived wonderfully shot um i think i have to say and i wasn't sure going into this i was gonna say this but 
Dervla Cohen. I think I remember loving her at the time, and but I think I thought, ah, oh, go into this, and she'll she'll be a good villain. But uh, but actually, everything about that character, um, uh, and what she represents, and the clever way it it it, it, it you know it it made the point about you know her within her society never being able to fulfill her potential because it's so 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 sort of you know looking at that chocolate box past and saying but actually um uh you know you know there's there's there's, there's real unfulfilled potential of people in those days doctor especially russell's doctor is a lot about actually fulfilling your potential in spite of what life throws at you and in spite of our humdrum surroundings or whatever and and never sort of dismissing things out of hand and never not being curious and and so Miss Hardigan does all of that, and yet she's the baddie. <laughs> so that's really interesting as well. But that's because in her society, she doesn't get to do what somebody of her mind should be allowed to do. Um, and and on the surface, it might look like she's just, as I say, a sort of psychotic Isabel Watkins who keeps, you know, gassing on about men. But it's much more sophisticated that, and 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 really helped in 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 that with a, I think, a splendid performance from the fantastic Dervla Kerwin. Uh, I think the setting, I, th I think the fact that it's, you know, the Doctor of Christmas Past. Uh, I think all that, all that that you can have with the, you know, that set design of where the urchins are, and but all that chocolate box Christmas that it evokes without shying away from the dirty underbelly, but also because it's Doctor Who in the past and the and the Cybermen, uh, you know pumping and steaming away within that setting look sort of appropriate at times incongruous at others striking at others uh i think it's uh i think it's absolutely uh, uh yeah magnificent uh and and really helps and the snow and the christmas and all of that love that uh and i think i have to say number five it's got to be david morrissey uh i mean just so right at the time but it's a performance that really stands, but it's a very layered performance. I mean, the emotional stuff you sort of take for granted, which you shouldn't because that's hard and it takes an actor of real quality to, to, to pitch that so well. And that sense of fra fragility of his, of his confidence and of his, and of his self-identity and all of that stuff. But he's also funny, but he also has the heroic moments, but, but he's, but that deeply broken man that he is and that that as i say that sort of slightly false playing of the doctor you get that it's a kind of slightly ersatz uh a, a doctor a, a sort of assumption of the role of the doctor rather than him being the doctor which again you, you you could send that up you could you could have fun with it you could have too much fun with it for it not to be real and for it to be a bit one jokey and actually i think it was really really clever so those are my five things. So let us see what David, who is a lovely guy, by the way, and do uh, follow him on uh, at Twitter and uh, avail yourself of his podcast because the, uh, the other guys uh, who do it with him too, very interesting fellows, uh, nice fellows too. So David's five things. And the five things that I've chosen that I like are, number one, the basic story concept. I think it's genius. And it's so straightforward and simple. The Doctor and the audience meet a new Doctor who they've not seen before. It's um could have been done at any point in the series history and it would have worked. It's just... I love it. Uh, one to me. This is exciting. Uh, yes! And I've said all I need to say. One to me. We're both in accord. Number two is the guest appearance and performance from the series' main guest star, which is David Morrissey. Now, obviously... He'd worked with David Tennant in Blackpool, and a big fan of his since then, and stuff like State of Play and, and One Summer. He's a brilliant actor, and he's the absolute emotional core of this story. He plays a doctor who's like a cross between 
is the panache of the third doctor and the verbosity of the sixth doctor and you know he's he's brilliant he plays such a range all the way through it and he's and he's terrific i love him he's so good uh it's currently a two nil to me so i only need to get one more and i have won for only the second time in happy times and places history so let's just mark that in case it all goes downhill from here and he's right and i love the fact that david mentioned one summer there that was a formative experience i remember watching that at my grandparents uh it's a wonderful piece of television that david morrissey stars uh, james hazeldean is in it as well i think um and is it spencer lee david morrissey and spencer lee i think is the name of the other actor as two uh young uh scouses uh, 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 and and it's it's odd because it's just a sort of one-off film thing but it, it really stuck with me and seems to have stuck with a lot of other people who watched it so if you have never seen one summer watch one summer it's not nothing like doctor who it's a good piece of television and uh, if it's just david morris's presence in a doctor who christmas special that brings you to it then so be it that's great um number three it's the little flashback when we see all of the doctor's different faces when they're looking at the info stamp i love the idea of colin baker and peter davison sat at home with their family watching the Doctor Who Christmas special, and then their faces pop up. I think it would have been lovely, you know? I think it's such a nice, nice little touch for the fans, and it's um, it's cool. Ah, when I saw that, I was going to choose that, and then I forgot because I remember that was a big deal back in the day when I watched it for the first time. That was a punch-the-air moment. Uh, and I suppose we take for granted now that, that you know, old Doctors popping in uh, in clip form and everything, but that was that was a big moment, and I wish I'd chosen it instead of... Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, damn. Anyway, that's the one that got away for me. Number four, on the subject of cool, is DT himself. I love the tie and shirt and suit combo. Looks really, really smart. Um, yeah, that's number four. Oh, okay. Well, suddenly it's gone from in the 90th minute, it's gone from 2-0 to me to 2-all. So, uh is there anything in injury time to help me? I want David to either choose Dervla Kerwin as Miss Hartigan, to choose uh, the Cybermen in the snow in the in the in the graveyard scene, uh, or to choose the setting of Oldie Worldie, Victorian slash Edwardian. God, I, I feel so thick now. <laughs> uh, Dickensian London. Uh, he's going to choose. Oh, he's going to choose something else, isn't he? I was so nearly there. And number five is the final scene when the Doctor and Jackson are going to have a look at the TARDIS and Jackson gets kind of freaked out and the Doctor decides to stay for Christmas dinner after all. I think it's lovely and charming and they both play it so, so well. So, Toby, those are my five things. I hope you managed to guess them. Oh, I nearly did. Thanks, David. Um, I'll, I'll read you his Twitter handle uh, uh, during the closing credits, I'm sure. But uh, do avail yourself of... Uh, of uh, his, his podcast and all that he does. Uh, he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. and was very, very encouraging uh, to me during uh, the Who's Round years, always plugging it and posting about it. And, uh, you know, I think I've met David once, uh, but I feel like he was, he was one of the first people I asked to do this because I like the cut of his jib. And as I say, um, top guy. Um, but I'm Cursing if I'd chosen the doctors. I nearly cho I didn't choose nearly choose the other two, but I nearly chose the blooming doctors. This is taking your eye off the ball. Right. Andy Goddard. I'm very happy to contribute to the podcast, which sounds like fun. In no certain order, 
my five fave things about the next Doctor would be. Now, this is where I, I get, so we've got another competition between David and I now. Whoever has the most of Andy's things gets an extra Satsuma for Christmas. Cybermen in the Snow is number one. Yes, one nil to me. Uh, that was the four-word tease producer Julie Gardner gave me when I was offered the gig. In hindsight, I should have doubled down on my homework and included a visual nod to the Tenth Planet. But I had fun with the graveyard sequence in the snow with the Cybermen killing all those Victorian gents. I've always felt it was the strongest sequence in the episode. And ironically, the Doctor doesn't feature in it. When editing the scene, I had a temp music score overlaid with Hans Zimmer propelling the action, which was always my favourite version. And, true fact, Joe Strummer of The Clash used to be a gravedigger in the Newport Cemetery where we shot this. Ah, oh, that's a new fact. Love it. So, Sidebend in the Snow, I think I get that. As he cited the graveyard scene, I think I get that. Uh, two. The Ten Doctors slideshow. Oh, will I never be free of this oversight? Seeing Hartnell, Trout and Pertwee et al. when the Doctor lights up the info stamp was such a nice fifth festive gift for the fans. If you can't have a whiff of nostalgic Christmas Day, well then when can you? Why did I not say this? I would be, oh, I would be bathing in chocolate pennies now. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and as I say, at the time, it just goes to show how spoilt we are since, because that was such a moment. Um, three, Miss Hartigan's dress. I can't really have that as well, because I've given myself the graveyard sequence for Cybermen in the Snow. I can't have that twice, I don't think. Kudos to Louise Page and her costume team for Dervla Kerwin's wardrobe. The combo of the white snow and that striking scarlet dress was such a wonderful palette to work with. She had a parasol to match and I gave her a show-stopping entrance when the dress first appears. Again, that graveyard sequence. As a footnote, I think Dervla is terrific in the ep. That's a footnote, but it's not, it's not the whole thing, is it? So I don't think I can get that. Four. David Morris's performance. Ah, now then, David and I both get a point for that, so I'm 2-1 to David. Uh, it's a dual role, really, playing both his version of the Doctor and the traumatised Jackson Lake. His performance seesaws from a kind of have-a-go brio in the earlier scenes to the later PTSD, when the narrative peels back his true identity. Beautifully put, Andy, there. Uh, Andy's also a writer, uh, you can tell, I think, here. Uh, the moment where he remembers his dead wife is beautifully done, and you really feel this is a, a man adrift and lost, a great actor and a terrific bloke. When we rehearsed the rather sweet closing sequence where the Doctor shows Jackson the TARDIS, David asked if it could transport him back to the 1935 Mer Merseyside derby when Liverpool beat Everton 6-0. <laughs> and number five... Air Balloon versus Cyber King. Uh, neither of us chose that. So actually on the Andy Goddard uh, bonus five things, I am victorious over David. So David and I, because I've sort of changed the rules right at the end, uh, emerge even Stevens with this one. So I don't get a victory, but uh, I at least get uh, something a little extra, um, uh, like uh, finding uh, a nougat or a, a coconut amongst the assorted boring toffees and coffee creams left in the quality street jar, finding an overlooked coconut. Uh, Air Balloon versus Cyber King. I think the pros and cons of the final showdown and how it was executed and rendered et, et are perhaps another conversation. 
but just for the sheer chutzpah of putting it down on the page, I have to applaud Russell. As a concept, as a visual, it's not something you see every day on telly. I admire that go hard or go home ambition to think big and ballsy. And after all, it was Christmas Day. And he adds, 2008 seems so long ago now, but I have quite happy memories of shooting in Gloucester and Monmouth. The script was called, oh, this is interesting, The Other Doctor Across Production, which was a more honest title, I guess. Somewhere in post and pre-marketing, it became The Next Doctor, which I felt was a bit of a false promise. The audience expected pizza and got chop suey. I didn't know Russell was returning. That is a good thing. Oh, because I think I told him in the email I was looking forward to, to Russell uh, coming back. So there we go. Uh, that's so lovely. Andy is, of course, off. Uh, making feature films now, including Six Minutes to Midnight, uh, which is on uh, one of the fixes. Is it on? I've, is it on Net? It's not on Netflix. I don't think it's on Disney Plus or Amazon. It's on one of them, uh, and I'm in it for a bit uh, in a gorgeous costume designed by the costume designer of Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, my costume was provided by the person who came up with Christopher Eccleston's costume. Isn't that marvelous? Uh, but mine is a bit more showy uh, than Christopher. In fact, it's quite a, because it's set during the war, six uh, minutes to midnight, uh, the, the colour palette is, is deliberately quite muted. And then I come on, uh, I mean, it's, it's really not a, a, a massive part, but it's nice to be in a feature film, especially one directed by the director of The Next Doctor. And he's a very lovely fellow too, and I'm grateful to him for uh, providing his thoughts for this festive special of Happy Times and Places. Grateful for the impetus to do this episode, which came from David Steele, who's a thoroughly fantastic fellow. And I hope he and Andy and indeed all of you are having a great day today. Uh, and so I have to say, <laughs> and incidentally, a happy Christmas. A Merry Christmas to all of you at home. Thanks for listening. And uh, Oh, and if you're listening to this after Christmas Day, fine. Goodbye. <laughs> I think you're fine. 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 Yeah, all right. It was 1851, which is the Victorian age. Nowhere near the Edwardian age. Uh, but Dickensian was okay. Dickens was around. So, uh... I was good when I said Victorian. I was good when I said Dickens. I was woeful when I said Edwardian. But there we go. Two out of three ain't bad. And, you know, I do know things about extras and small part actors that nobody else does. So I'm going to forgive myself, even if you don't. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. Special thanks to director Andy Goddard for his contribution and my guest this time around was David Steele who can be found on Twitter at DavadSteele D-A-V-A-D-S-T-E-E-L and do check out his Doctor Who podcast that he does with Tom Harris and Kenny Smith a wonderful triumvirate it's called The Power of Three it's available on iTunes and everywhere else and there's also his Earth 2 podcast which is about the pre-crisis DC multiverse. And so if that's your bag, check that out too. Thanks so much to Dave Gates for providing the music for this podcast, to Dylan Patterson for the artwork, and to every single one of you who has supported me on Patreon over the past 12 months or so. It really is appreciated. And thanks to everyone for listening. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.
I'm not going to plug Patreon or anything, uh, especially as I even pronounced it wrong in the closing titles there, because it's Christmas. I just want to say this is uh, just beginning my second year of podcasting. I started in November of last year, so I'm a year and a month in, and it's been an absolute pleasure to get everybody's feedback and support. I've really appreciated it. It's heartening to discover that there's an audience out there for my particular brand of stammering arcana, Uh, And as I say, everybody has engaged with this so brilliantly uh, that it's been a pleasure to do. If uh, you're not tired of my voice already over Christmas time, uh, you can listen to me on the 7th Dimension on BBC Radio 4 Extra on Christmas Day and Boxing Day, 6pm till 7, midnight till 1. And on New Year's Day and January the 2nd, I'll be doing the same. But I also have my own show, Absent Friends, at uh, 6.50 and midnight 50, uh, where I'll be saying goodbye to some of the sci-fi alumni who've departed from this realm in the past 12 months or so. Bit of a labour of love and I'm so thrilled the BBC have let me do it and that is on BBC Radio 4 Extra at 6.50 as I say and midnight 50 and will be on iPlayer. Absent Friends presented by me. So that's my particularly maudlin way of seeing in 2022. Uh, But thanks for all your support over 2021 and I hope we can continue to be friends well into the next year and beyond. And look, if you are listening to this on Christmas Day, hello, happy Christmas. It's great. I love a bit of Christmas. Um, And you're, for whatever reason, uh, not having the best time of it or feeling a bit lost or lonely or you've had a power cut or you've opened all your presents or eaten too many sweets and you want to reach out, I'm on Twitter. Say hello. Ask me a stupid question. Uh, I'm around. Don't, uh, you know, don't let let Christmas uh, pass in a way that you don't want it to if I can possibly help or connect or anything like that. Twitter, at Toby Haydock. I'll be there. Okay. Very, very happy Christmas to you all. I like to think I have a good memory for Doctor Who stuff. I think I've shown that I have. But every time I go to do that joke, you know, I go, and incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home. Part of my brain goes, sure it's not Merry Christmas? Sure it's not Merry Christmas? So every time I want to do that little reference, I then go, oh, but it could be wrong. Um, It's a bit like Victorian and Edwardian. It's extraordinary how you're... I'm just... See, I'm making excuses now. Just just die by the sword. You've killed yourself with Toby. But it's, yeah, I, I, as I say, I would I just literally had to look up if it's a merry or a happy Christmas to all of you at home, even though it's one of Doctor Who's most infamous moments. It's happy, by the way. It's a happy Christmas. Incidentally, it's a happy Christmas to all of you at home. <laughs>